Well, good morning, everybody at Emmaus. I hope everybody's doing well. Uh, I know you're probably in your Sunday finest, uh, probably wearing your best pajamas that you've got. So um, I have the privilege of wearing a little bit more, but as soon as this is done, I get to put my basketball shorts and t-shirt back on. Um, I hope everybody's doing well. I know, as we all know, we all hear every day and everybody's talking about how difficult everything is right now. Everything is really different. And I just want to challenge you to think of maybe the other side of things, because something that I've learned and I've experienced is I'm really beefing up my resume while I'm at home. Um, so before this, I had no educational teaching experience, but after this, I can now add to my resume that I am both a first and third grade teacher. So uh, look out, job market, uh, if teachers are in need. I don't have a certification. I don't have any paperwork to back that up but I can teach English for first and third grade, math, and even some art and music. So uh, I hope you guys are having new experiences as well. Some of you are getting culinary degrees as you're at home and all sorts of different things. So we're all in this together as all of us have heard it. Um, I love you guys and I miss every one of you. And if you guys need anything, please reach out. We're here to help. Now, during this time, um, as we're doing this virtual church type um, environment that we're living in, I want to share with you guys something that I think is vitally important to our spiritual well-being. And in a time that we're living in right now is one of the most important things that we can ever learn from a scriptural standpoint. And simply put, I want to talk to you guys today about the spiritual discipline of study. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for, your, uh, for an opportunity, God, that through this technology, uh, we could still meet as a church body. Lord, we could still share the word with each other, encourage one another. God, I pray you meet with us now all across the homes of everywhere that, that this is streaming and being watched, Lord, today and in the future. We love you and thank you for all that you do. We ask this in your precious son's name. Amen. So a few years ago, I heard um, someone say that Christians in general need to learn to become preachers and not parrots. Now, be careful for, I, I, don't, I don't want to assume that everybody in the world needs to become a preacher because I think that there's a body of Christ that's a beautiful thing where some are preachers, some are teachers, there's lay workers, there's all these different things. A body works when it's not just a bunch of mouths, okay? But the context of that statement is meaning that we need to become people who study the Word of God and learn about it so that we understand it as opposed to just quoting a book or a sermon without testing it through the Word of God first. And I hope that makes sense. So we need to become preachers where we know the Word and not a parrot where we're just repeating what other people said. Now, some people might ask, well, why is this so important in a time like this? And while most of us are home and looking for resources, right? We're reading books, we're uh, exploring podcasts, we're church hopping every Sunday to whatever live stream is coming up on Facebook. All of those things are fine, great, and good, but, we're, but are we ever getting to a point in our personal life and our devotional time and our study time with the Lord that we're willing to do fact-checking on what we're being fed, on the books that we're reading and the people that are teaching us are we willing to do fact-checking on those things? So we hear a lot in the news the term fake news, right? I'm not getting political, so I just want everybody to know that. So, But we hear the term fake news, and, and I want to tell you that there are people who think they're sharing the gospel message. There are people who think that they're writing books that are sharing the gospel message when, in fact, they're actually sharing fake news, and it's important as a body of believers to understand Scripture intimately 
that we don't be deceived, that we study God's word so that when it's spoken to us, we know, man, that's the Lord. That's where he's speaking and not just something that we want to hear. Okay. Now, if you don't believe me on that, that's okay. I want to draw your attention to some scriptures for uh, John chapter one, verse one. I want to read it out of the NASB version. It reads this in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God right? A wonderful, beautiful passage in the Bible and the Gospels. And this scripture sets up the entire New Testament. It speaks to the deity of Christ, and it's connected to John 14, verse 6, which Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus, not anyone else but Jesus. But there are other translations of the Bible that take this passage and they twist it just a bit. And why this is so important to study God's word is that we're aware that when we hear these things, we know that's a counterfeit. Some of you have heard me say, and I teach even with Teen Challenge, my wife and Cindy Irwin have shared this example, that if I was going to teach you to find counterfeit $100 bills, the thing I would never give you is a counterfeit $100 bill. I would only give you the real thing. So if you came across a counterfeit bill, even if you didn't know exactly what was wrong with it, you would hold it and feel it and touch it and say, I don't know what it is, but something is wrong about this. And that's called the discernment of the Holy Spirit. When we say, I don't know what it is, but something is wrong about this. And there are teachers out there that are teaching things and as believers, we're being deceived into thinking that this message is truth when in fact it's not. Here's an example. The same book, the same chapter, the same verse in the New World Translation, John 1.1. If you don't know what that is, that's also commonly referred to as the Book of Mormon. Yes, there's a John. Yes, there's a chapter 1. Yes, there's a verse 1. And this is what it reads. In the beginning was the Word. No difference there yet, right? Okay. And the word was with God. Also, no difference from what we just read. And the word was a God, lowercase g. By adding one vowel, one letter to a passage of scripture, it completely changes our approach to the entire New Testament. A God. Church, let's think about that for a second and let's process that. By misinterpreting the original scripture, we completely cancel out the work of the cross. Because if Jesus is a God, then it's not, there's no way to the Father except through him. Because he's just a God. When in reality, he is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. And he is the one who made the ultimate sacrifice by dying on a cross for you and for me. He is the only way to salvation. And if we add things to Scripture, if we don't test things through Scripture, if the Holy Spirit isn't telling us, whoa, pump the brakes, something's wrong here, we could be deceived. This is not the only example. Church, there are tons of doctrines out there, theologies that talk about how hell isn't real. 
There's deconstruction, deconstructionist theologies that point to all the bad things in the world and say there is no way that God is in it, and it allows us to push people away from the cross instead of realizing that despite all the circumstances that you and I have been through, God was with it despite those circumstances and works all things out for good. I think at times we think that we come to the cross and now the cross is going to meet me where I'm at and it's on my terms. Jesus asked his father before he was crucified, if this cup could be taken from me, let it happen. And it wasn't. So what did he do? He went to the cross. He was beaten. He was broken. He had whips that went into his back. He had a crown of thorns that was placed upon his head. And as I prepared this sermon, I thought about what season we're in. We're, we are in Lent. We are in this season where we're coming up on Palm Sunday and we're about to have an Easter Sunday that this is what Jesus did on the cross. He understands what you and me have been through. And he's loved us despite those circumstances. He loves us through everything that we've been through. But we can be deceived. Now, there's nothing wrong with looking into different thought processes. There's nothing wrong into even looking at theologies or ideas. But if we're not using the Word of God as a reference point in our time of study, we are going to be deceived. It is inevitable. We cannot approach the Word of God thinking, this will meet my needs. This idea creates a self-centered worldview and puts ourselves in a seat of idolatry. Only thinking of us. I want to say that again. You cannot approach the Word of God thinking this will meet my needs. This idea creates a self-centered worldview and puts ourselves in the seat of idolatry. Only thinking of us. And the Bible talks about this. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. It warns us of this. It says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. That's a scary thought. Because I know what I want to hear. I want self-proclamation. I want people to say how awesome I am. And I want to have things my way. Ask my wife, will you ever order food out? I have a very particular way that I order things. I want my food the way that I want my food. I don't want it how it's written on the menu. I want it tweaked and changed. I want it to suit my needs. And I get upset if there's pickles added to something or mayonnaise that I didn't want. I get, I, I get frustrated, right? And so do you with whatever things that you want to be a particular way or expect them to be a certain way. But the reality is this, is we are never supposed to amass teachers that tickle our ears and give us our own desires, right? And as I said before, everything that we do has to be backed up by Scripture. Paul talks about this. Paul talks to us about being careful about who we follow. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting with verse 11, it says, My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. And another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God I did not baptize any of you. That's what Paul says. Gives two examples. 
And at the end of this passage, he says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom or eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. We're not supposed to amass people who we just wholeheartedly agree with because we do it because this is something I want. You guys ready for this? What if I told you that the gospel was never meant to meet your needs? It was never meant for that. What if I told you that Christ's work on the cross was designed to transform you into something new? I just, I'm even just thinking about that statement. Making something new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is one of my favorite, favorite scriptures in all, of, in all of the Bible. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's what? A new creation. The old is gone, the new is here, and I thank God that I'm a new creation. I thank God that the gospel has transformed my life because I've had my struggles in my life. I've made stupid decisions. And if I had the cross on my terms, I would have never been there. I would have been in the robber on the cross that rejected Jesus. That's who I would have been. I would have been one of the people in the crowd that screamed, crucify, crucify, crucify. That's who I would have been. So I thank God that it is by the power of the Holy Spirit and His sacrifice on the cross that He's made me something new. And He could do that for you. And this is so important to know this because it transforms us. When you spend time with the Lord, He makes us into something new. Philippians 4.19 qualifies this thought. It says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. He knows what we need. I've seen it. I've seen it over and over and over again. God's provision. Even this week, in my ministry in Teen Challenge, the water heater went out. We let some people know, and within an hour and a half, people gave $3,000 to fix the water heater. Boom, done. God knows what, what we need. He knows what you need. He knows what I need. And He's going to provide it. But that doesn't mean that everything is unicorns and rainbows. There's going to be difficult times. Look at the apostles' lives. Look at everybody's life that followed Christ. There are difficulties, but those things refine us. Those things make us better. Are they fun to go through? No way. They're exhausting. They're exhausting. But God grows something in us in those seasons. Now, I want to read you a quote of why it's so important and why everything I'm talking about is so important when it comes to study. Because we live in a day and age where, as people, we can actually approach the throne room of God. We can speak to Jesus directly. But a lot of times I see in churches and big congregations that the, there are parishioners who think, whatever the need is, I don't need to do it because there's a lot of people in this room and someone else will. I hate to break this to you, church, but it is not Pastor Ron, Pastor Clint, mine, any of the leaders, any of the elders of the church. It is not their spiritual walk that will carry you. You need to go to the Father. You need to spend time with Him and fill up and get fed 
What you're hearing from this message when Ron and Clint preach, that's, that's our time with the Lord and Him saying, this is what the body needs. But there are intimate things that the Lord wants to speak to you. And you're not going to hear them unless you spend time with Him. Richard Foster wrote, Human beings seem to have a perpetual tendency to have somebody else talk to God for them. We are content to have the message secondhand. One of Israel's fatal mistakes was their insistence on having a human king rather than resting on the theocratic rule of God over them. We can detect a note of sadness in the word of the Lord in 1 Samuel 8, 7, which reads, They have rejected me from being king over them. The history of religion is the story of an almost desperate scramble to have a king, a mediator, a priest, a pastor, a go-between. In this way, we do not need to go to God ourselves. Such an approach saves us from the need to change. For to be in the presence of God is to change. I thank God that I can be in the presence with Him. I thank God that when I drive, I can talk to Him or I can close my door and pray. I can read my Bible. I thank God that when I pray, He hears me. He hears me. And, 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 and I've been in situations where I've been at churches. I remember I was at a wedding and I was standing under this big statue of St. Barnabas. And this lady came out and said, that he, you know, St. Barnabas is the patron saint of the week. You should pray to him. And with all gentleness, I responded. I said, you know, if I can just ask you a question, ma'am, when you have a problem at work, who do you talk to? She said, well, I talk to my boss. And I said, you see Barnabas here, he's my coworker. So if I have a problem, I'm just going to go to my boss, and his name is Jesus. We have that opportunity to commune directly with him. Now, how do I do this? How do we do this? How do we as a body learn to hear the voice of the Lord, to know that we're not just getting our ears tickled, but have the ability to test what's being said, to put us in a place that we know that we're hearing truth? It's through study. See, the word study means the devotion of time and attention to acquire knowledge on an academic subject, especially by means of a book. Well, what is the Bible comprised of? 66 books. So as we are talking about these steps of how we can approach God's Word to study it, we have a set of books that we can spend time in that are Jesus' own words, the inspired scriptures we get to spend time in. That's amazing. It's beautiful, right? So Nathan Foster, who's related to Richard Foster, he wrote a book called The Making of an Ordinary Saint, My Journey from Frustration to Joy with the Spiritual Disciplines. A spiritual discipline is frustrating. Any discipline is frustrating. You know, if you're trying to eat better, lift weights, or learn a new trade, skill, whatever it is, there's always going to be a time period where that is a difficult thing to learn or do. Spiritual disciplines don't happen overnight. It's a discipline for a reason. You have to commit yourself to it. And these are the four steps that he says, these are the best ways that we could study the Word of God. So there are four well-recognized steps in study. Number one, the first is repetition. So if we want to know God's Word, we need repetition. Repetition regularly channels our minds in a specific direction, thus ingraining habits of thought. Ingrained habits of thought can be formed by repetition alone, thus changing behavior, 
even if we do not understand what is being repeated. I remember VBS and the Christmas programs we've done here at the church. I memorized all the words to those songs because I heard them 10,000 times. I have a catalog of music in my brain. Ask my wife, we go on a road trip, we start hitting the radio. I know the words to every song. I can't recall them right now, but when they come on, all of a sudden, all the words start coming back because of repetition. Ask my mother and father. All I did was listen to music when I was a kid. Every minute I had an opportunity, I listened to music. Repetition, repetition, repetition. When we do that, it stays with us. And here's the thing. When it comes to studying the Bible and repetition, you don't need to read the Bible Genesis to Revelation just every day, over and over and over and over again. You could pick a book of the Bible, a chapter of the Bible, or even just a passage of the Bible, and let that refine you. Let the Lord speak to you through those things. Consume it in different ways. Read it out loud. Read it quietly. Listen to it. Listen to someone else speak it. There's a million ways that you can repeat scriptures over and over and over and over again so that you know this is the truth. This is God's word. The second step in study is concentration. Concentration centers our minds. It clears away the clutter of a thousand stimuli and forces us to focus on only one thing. This focus allows us to be truly present where we are. And I am guilty of not being able to be truly present where I am 24-7. We live in a day and age where, what do we do? We always do two things. We drive and talk on the phone. We drive and listen to music. We watch TV and read a book. We cook dinner and we're on the phone. It's hard to just focus in on one thing because there's so much going on around us. But if we sit back and concentrate, we're going to get more out of the Word of God. And you start learning and hearing that. And I would challenge even in this that if you have children, when your child cries out, you know their voice. Any house church I've ever been in where there's multiple kids, when there's a, a, a kid that gets hurt or is calling out for mom or dad because the kids, we all have the same name. It's either mom or dad, right? You know if it's your son or daughter that's, that's, that's calling. The same is true with the voice of the Lord. When you start spending time with him, you start learning what, he's, what he sounds like and you start paying attention to it more and more and more. And this is no better um, seen in, in my own life than something that just happened to me. When all of this stuff happened, when all this coronavirus stuff really hit, I have a lot on my plate. You know, I'm a husband, father, just like all of you. Um, I'm running a ministry. We have a million things going on. I just started praying, Lord, you need to provide, you need to provide. And as I open my Bible, I'm in the book of Mark. I'm in chapter four. And what happens in Mark chapter four? There's a storm and Jesus is asleep on a boat not even moved by the fact that there's a storm all around him. And the disciples wake him up, and Jesus gets up and says, Quiet, be still. And as I read that, I was so comforted. Because I knew the Lord was telling me, Michael, quiet, be still. I see you. I have you. Trust me. And he's done nothing but be faithful in the ministry that I get to be a part of here at this church and my family. We have to learn to hear his voice. The third step in the discipline of study is comprehension. Now, all of us have had, an, have had the experience of reading something over and over, and then all of a sudden, we understand what it means, right? I have told my children a million times different bits and pieces of information, and there's times they go, hey, Dad, you're never going to guess what I learned today. And I go, I have told you this 
a thousand times. How is it that now you understand it? My parents have experienced the same thing. Michael, we have told you this a thousand times. Now you're getting it. You're right. But there was repetition that came first. I heard it. I heard it. I heard it. Then I comprehended it. And then we had a eureka experience. And that eureka experience of understanding catapults us into a new level of growth and freedom. It brings insight and discernment. And that's so important when we're hearing teachers. Now, I want to be very clear. I am not proposing or I'm not endorsing anyone going and doing their own church and isolating themselves. That is not what I am saying. What I am saying is that we need to be in the Word to grow ourselves and to challenge each other because there are things that the Lord is wanting to tell us intimately and we can't be deceived and you can't be deceived. Now, lastly, the final step of study is reflection. So while comprehension defines what we are studying, Reflection defines the significance of what we are studying. Reflection allows us to see things from God's perspective. Remember I talked about some of these different theologies, right? We don't want to reflect. We don't want to comprehend those situations because they're horrible. But there are moments that we can reflect on to say, okay, the Lord took me through this. Guys, I've had horrible experiences in my life. And I've looked back at all of them and I know that God took me through them. He's not happy that I went through them but he grew me through them and I trusted him still. Now, why am I so passionate about study? Why is this so important? I firmly believe that study is one of the most important things you can learn as a Christian, to know the Word of God intimately. We all have time now at home to open our Bibles and to learn and to grow. And as we learn his Word, we study to hear our Father's voice and you cannot recognize his voice if you don't know it. He could be speaking to you right now and you have no idea what he even sounds like. You could be shutting him out. And I challenge you that if he is speaking to you, listen, respond. Don't be afraid of what he's asking you. Study is the only thing that will draw us near to God. Psalm 119.11 in the NIV says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How do we know what God's heart is unless we're spending time with Him and we let Him feed us and speak to us? I I think of it this way, I guess. If you had an opportunity to see fireworks on television or go see them in real life, you would always choose to go see them in real life. I know I would. I want to experience the real thing. I don't want to experience it secondhand. I want it from the source. I'm passionate about this because as we heard in Foster's quote, and as I said before, my spiritual walk is not designed to carry you. It's designed for me to commune with God, and doing that allows me to what? Share in one another's burdens because I'm being filled up by the source so I can walk with you through something. I can pray with you through something. But as we've heard a million times, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. I can't drink that drink for you. That's something you have to do. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to be each other's corner men and women, saying, look out, there's a punch coming. Put your hands up, right? Duck, look this, look that. But there are fights that we have to fight, and someone else can't do it for you. And look around you guys. The world is hurt and broken, and it needs believers who are willing to step out and say, I love you, and so does the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me help carry this burden. When you do that, you don't even get tired. You have this spiritual 
fulfillment that just you feel amazing. You're, you just you know that God has your back. Almost eight years now I've been working for Teen Challenge. There's not a day I go to work tired or exhausted. That's unheard of. Okay, we work with a, a very difficult population that for whatever reason brings me an insane amount of joy. Whatever God has for you that he's asking you to do, it's going to bring you the same amount of joy if you're willing to step into that. So, normally, at the end of any Emmaus service or sermon, there's questions. And I'm going to break the mold today. I'm not going to ask questions. I'm going to offer up some challenges to each of you. So, number one, I want to challenge us as a body of believers to learn the Word of God and to study it. Pick a book of the Bible doesn't matter which one it is. Read it over and over and over again. If that seems daunting, then just pick a chapter or pick a verse and read it over and over and over again. Remember that books and podcasts, they're good supplements, but it's never as good as the real thing. I wrote in here, and I hope this makes sense, you'll never learn how to be a plumber by reading the Super Mario Brothers instruction booklet. You got to go and learn it for yourself. Right? We need teachers in our lives. We need community. We need a body of believers. We need those things. But there's responsibility on us too that we need to get in the Word and we need to study it so we know the truth. So challenge one, I want to challenge you to learn the Word to study it. Challenge number two, let the Word of God refine you in this time. Let it grow something new in you. Don't let it meet your needs. Let it grow you into something new. The third challenge that I have for you is to let your study be refined by the wisdom of others. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Ask questions to the right people. Don't argue to prove points, but have an open heart towards finding the truth. I'm blessed to have a relationship with with a dear brother, Josh Givens, where whenever he and I talk through Scripture or share our hearts on things, we're not trying to prove a point. We're trying to gain more understanding to know more of the heart of God through an issue or through Scripture. Find people like that in your life. They're here. They're at the church. Pastor Ron, Pastor Clint, myself, you know, Pastor Bill, um, uh, any of the leaders that are here, Joe, all of us, we're all here wanting to grow as a church body together. So find those people to refine that, but listen to them. Don't go to them trying to prove a point. Go to them listening to one another and be challenged. And lastly... Share the gospel, to share the truth of the gospel with others. That's the last challenge. Everyone's nervous and stressed right now with everything that's going on in the world. Be a light to others. Be an encouragement to others. Be Christ in those situations. Let him work through you. So I want to end on on one final thought. As we talked about making sure that we're saying we're not followers of this person or that person, We live in a world that says the opposite. We live in a world that says we're followers or we're influencers. And that's dumb. I want to challenge you guys to think about not being a follower of anyone except the only one who's worth following. His name is Jesus. Follow him, study his word, hide it in your heart. And at the end of this, we can all get back together, refine one another, and be that body again. I love you guys. I miss you guys. I hope to see you face-to-face real soon. God bless.